The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. In the God story, the Lord has the blood blissful heavenly fills the sanctuary and our souls. Let us prepare our hearts for the preaching of God's word through prayer. Let's pray together. O Lord of grace, the world is before us this day and we are weak and fearful. Ah, Lord, we look to you for strength. For if we venture forth alone, we will stumble and fall. It is only through your beloved arms that we stand firm. And so, Lord, in this process that we call being made holy, this process of sanctification, we know that your grace is sufficient for us. Your power is made holy and perfect in our weakness. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, illuminate our hearts, meet us here and now. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. There's a there's a there's been a question around for eons, a, a question that that's been around for a long time, asked by many people, and and a question that's probably crossed your mind. And what is that question? Well, here's the question: What was God doing before He created, before He created anything? What was God doing before the creation of the universe? What was He doing? Now, we know that God is eternal. He's eternal. Hey, he's always existed. Let's wrap your mind around that. He has always existed. God is the supreme being from everlasting to everlasting. Is the Lord in him. There is no beginning and there will be no end. But sometime in the realm of eternity... Before the time-space continuum, God created the universe ex nihilo, ex nihilo out of nothing. Out of nothing, God created the universe. But what was he doing before then? Now, skeptics, I mean, skeptics have asked that question too. People that don't believe in God, I mean, they've joked about that question. Oh, yeah, well, God created, he's always existed, but at some point in time, he created the universe. What was he doing before then? Skeptics, non-believers who don't believe in God, don't believe in creation, have asked that question as well. And years ago, uh, the the great theologian, St. Augustine, was asked that very question. And here was his answer to the skeptics. He said that he told them, God was creating hell for the curious minds. That's what he told them. So they kind of 
But it, it is a, it's a sarcastic response, a sarcastic response. Augustine, was, he was really trying to, to, uh, to prove a serious point, uh, to warn us, if you will, even us, against the idle, sinful speculations of God's activities prior to creation. But interestingly enough, the Bible does have a lot to say about God's activity before creation, before God created the world. The Bible has a lot to say. We're going to talk about it. In passage we just read, Don just read, talks about it. This morning, we're continuing our Advent sermon series called The God Story. Now, as many of you know, the word Advent means the arrival, the arrival. During this time of year, many churches have the tradition of celebrating Jesus' first coming, his first arrival, while looking forward with great anticipation to his second advent, his second arrival. Churches do this to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why churches do it to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, born as a human. This is the time when the Son of God relinquished, set aside his divine attributes so as to experience human suffering for the sake of our salvation, for the sake of our salvation, the salvation of God's church. This is a teaching known by the church as the doctrine of kenosis. The doctrine of kenosis is God setting aside his divine attributes. That's what they call it. To become human. To humble himself as a human. The church celebrates the first advent. All the while looking forward to what is known as the parousia. The parousia is God's second coming, Jesus' second coming, when, when he brings forth the rapture. The rapture means the carrying away of God's people, his church. God comes the first time to save his church. He returns in rapture, in the rapture, to snatch away his people, his church, from the earth, in order that he makes way for his righteous judgment on this world. And you can read about that more in 1 Thessalonians 4, 2 Thessalonians 2, and 1 Corinthians 15, and throughout the New Testament. Now we get a bigger idea of what this Advent season is about, and why some churches celebrate it, churches like ours, the God story. The God story is the story of our redemption. Advent is just a part of it. Advent, the coming, the first coming, the second coming, that's just a part of the God story. Now, I've used all these biblical theological words to impress upon you the magnitude of the God story. The magnitude of this God story. But you know what the most wonderful thing about this God story is? It's the most wonderful thing that you can imagine is that the, the Lord God Almighty has allowed you to be a part of this grand 
drama of the called the God story. He's allowed us to be a part of this grand drama, this glorious drama. This is the eternal calling of God. So when we, when we turn to our text and start looking at our text, it doesn't take us long to see two things that stick out, stand out immediately. Those two things are, these two things take place before creation. Ex nihilo, before the creation of anything out of nothing, these two things take place before creation. And we see them in verses 3 and 4. And they're crucial for the sake of our redemption. Know that. This is how grand God is. This is the God that you need to worship. Because he's not a little God that you could figure out. Oh, I got that figured out. Oh, I know about that. Oh, I can see that. I know what about the total Holy Trinity. I can give you the Holy Trinity. I can describe that. No, you can't. Now, we get a glimpse of it because God gave us intellect. But this God story is about a grand, a huge, a, a God from everlasting to everlasting. So what are the two things that stand out? Uh, well, before creation, and they are found in verses 3 and 4, and they're crucial for our salvation. The first thing is that the spiritual blessings from the heavenly realm that we receive from God the Father come to us, come to you and me in Christ. In Christ. That's how they happen. Cannot happen without Christ, even in the Old Testament. Could not happen without Christ. And the second thing, the second thing is that, take a breath and let's just get, let's try to gather what the second thing is. The second thing is that you are chosen to be holy, meaning to be saved, in love. In agape, if you look it up in the Greek, it's going to say agape. It won't say love. It'll say agape. And we'll call it agape love. And, and agape love is the greatest revolution, uh, revelation of divine love found only in Jesus Christ. That we have Christ twice. Two things that stick out in our passage, agape love. Agape love can perhaps be best described by the writer of 1 John chapter 4, where he says, in this is love. In this, in this is agape. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation, an atonement for our sins. Agape. Agape, love, agape. The story, the God story for our redemption begins in eternity past. Where the divine counsel of the triune God gathers. The God, God's eternal counsel where the triune, the Holy Trinity, joins together in a covenant. To redeem who? Sinners. You and me. Us. Sinners. It's interesting. The other day we were, we're if you didn't know this, this is not a big secret, but we're ordaining a godly man, Ruben Martinez. And in the session, our church leaders, we were, we were asking them questions about theology and Bible and personal questions, everything we could t think of just to try to trip them up. 
but but Reuben's too sharp, okay? But yeah, one of the questions we ask is, what are the first two covenants in the Bible? First two covenants in the Bible. And, and Reuben answers those questions, bang. He answered those two questions as, as covenant that God made with humans, okay? This is a covenant that God made with God, that the triune God made with the triune God, so to speak, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As humans, because we're finite beings, this is a concept that is at the verge of what we can comprehend. The concept of a, a God, a, an eternal a council coming together and talking about and, and, and putting together the plan of our redemption is a concept we can just barely grasp. Because it doesn't involve any humans. We're affected, okay? We are affected by this, but we're not asked anything other than will you receive grace? Or given, we're given grace. From eternity past, we were chosen by God to be holy, to be holy and blameless, to be saved. Why? Why would God do that? Why would God choose you? Why would God choose me? I got a nice suit on. I don't wear suits a lot, but this is a special occasion. I look kind of pretty up here. That's not why God would choose me. He would know God knows my heart. God knows our heart. Why would God do this? He, look, we talked about God. He's eternal. He doesn't need any, any one of us. He doesn't need us to worship him today. He doesn't need anything. So why would this triune God, this holy trinity, choose to save us. Why? Why? For his good pleasure. For his pleasure. For the purpose of his divine will. That's why. He's a benevolent God, a loving God. He, he loves to share his glory with us. That's how wonderful God is. Doesn't need us, but will bless us. He called, like today, he called us to come worship. Come, come worship. I'm calling you to worship. Oh, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to make this church or, or do something that I predestined before the foundation of the creation of the world by ordaining my servant, Reuben Martinez. But he's calling us to worship, but he doesn't need it. We're doing it because we want to do it. We're doing it because we're getting closer to his glory. And how can we not be blessed if we get closer to the glory of God? How can you not? How can you not be blessed right now? By feeling his love, the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. That is a blessing in and of itself. And that's what God loves to do. The Lord God Almighty is the glorious one. He is, he's all-knowing. He knows everything. There is, he cannot learn anything. Nothing will surprise God. Nothing. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end because in him there is no beginning and there will be no end. He is from everlasting to everlasting in the planning of our redemption, our redemptive story. The Lord of Scripture has no plan B or C, as some of us, even Christians, would think. 
Oh, you know, some, you know, here's what some people think. Now they're Christian, okay? So they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, God put man out there, humans, created humans. And you know what they did, those idiots? They sinned against God and they were kicked out. They were kicked out of paradise and condemned, condemned. Oh man, God had to scratch his head. He said, what am I going to do? These guys decided they didn't want me. They don't love me. So I got to come up with plan B. And so oh, we'll come up with, okay, we'll get Abraham. We'll, we'll get the nation of Israel. They'll do it. They'll do it. And what does the nation of Israel do? They messed up too. Ah, but through Israel came the Messiah, right? But see, listen, there is no plan B and plan C. That was never the intent. God always knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that humans were going to fall and sin against them before he even created them. That's the glorious God that you worship. Don't try to make them little like us. That's not the God you want to worship. In fact, that's not the God of the Bible. The God, this is God. God did not create humanity and did not create our, our, our redemption as an afterthought. Oh, God, these guys messed up. I, okay, now I got to do something. I got to fix this. I got to fix this. What am I going to do? Nuh-uh. It was planned before the creation. So people will say, well, maybe God, because he could see everything. He could look beyond way over there when many Alanese was going to say, I love you, Jesus. I give my life to you. Maybe that's what did it. That's not the way it worked. I would never have chosen him. Neither would you, unless he chose you first. And that's what it's saying here. You were chosen. Before you were born, you were chosen. Chosen to be saved. Chosen to be holy. Has anybody ever called you holy? Sandy's not in here, so she, she, she's outside. She's with the kids. <laughs> no, because well, I, I want to know. But you are holy. You're chosen to be holy. Holy. As the triune council, this triune council that put together this covenant of redemption that was made by God's grace, it was planned out. This covenant was planned out on how it was going to be executed in the economic, economic trinity. The economic trinity means the way it works out, the way they, they planned the way they were going to save us before they created anything. And every the three persons of the Holy Trinity were involved, are involved in our salvation. And that's what this passage, that's what this chapter is talking about. Every person in the Holy Trinity is involved in our salvation. The work of the Holy Trinity is divided up somewhat into three sections as we see it in this passage. God the Father plans it out. We see that in verses 4 through 6. God the Son puts the plan into operation, verses 7 through 12. We know what the God the Son did. He come, becomes a human. He sets aside his, his divine attributes, just sets them aside. He sheds blood for us for the redemption and forgiveness of our sins. And God the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit applies the plan, verses 13 and 14 of this chapter. And each section of the work that God, the Holy Trinity does, each section that you read about in our, in our chapter ends with this phrase. It ends with this phrase. You can see it. It says, to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. What does that mean? That means that God glorifies himself. 
He, he saved us. And he goes, oh, praise be to me. That God is to the praise of his glory. God saved you to the praise of his glory. Salvation came upon you through the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. Every, every part of this, every part of this is to glorify God. That's the, that's the foundation and the first cause of our calling and all the benefits we receive from God. And it was all put together in this grand council, this, this trinity, this holy trinity, this gathering of the holy trinity. That's what makes us a part of the God story. We, you, you are a part of the God story, this grand drama. Ah, but see, the story continues. See, we're a part of this. We're all a part of this. Those who are saved, those of us who are in Christ are a part of this grand, this God story created before the creation of the universe. But there is an additional calling. There's an additional calling. It is a calling to pastoral ministry. It is also a God's calling. It is also a calling from God himself. God calls a man to be a proclaimer of his gospel, to be an overseer of, an overseer of his church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, God calls that calling to that person a noble task. It's a noble task. Can you imagine God say that to you? It's a noble, I'm going to call you to a noble task. And you're going to suffer. And you're going to give your life. You're going to, like, you're going to give up everything for this noble task. As a pastor, pastoral ministry. That's a God calling. It's a noble task. And in 1 Timothy 3, we are given the characteristic requirements of, of this man that this man must possess to respond to this calling. Among other requirements, it says this. It says, this man must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. That was one I, I, I'm still working on. I'm, I'm still working on that. And look, my background is as a cop. And, and you, if you don't think you're like, you got to do things, you got to get things done, you got to be able to stand up against whatever. That's one that God is working. He's still working on my heart. Not quarrelsome. And not a lover of money. That was an easy one for me, but uh, the other stuff, no. But, I mean, these are some of the requirements. Here at St. Stephen's Chapel, we are blessed to observe and to be a part of the God story in the life of Reuben Martinez, Reuben and Emma Martinez. We're blessed to be a part of that, the God story in their life. In our God story, in our, the part of our life, we're blessed to be a part of that life, too, in that story. In, for not only has Reuben and his wife and his family been called by God in this God story for salvation, God has also called Reuben into pastoral ministry. That's a God thing. In just a few minutes, 
We here at St. Stephen's Chapel, we together as God's church, are going to acknowledge what God, the Almighty, has predestined in the ordination of Reuben Martinez as a pastor in God's church. We're just acknowledging what God has already done. This is all according to the will of God. This is the power of God at work in his church. We also see the hand of God at work, not just in his church, but throughout the universe, throughout this world. We see it everywhere. If you're in Christ, everywhere you look, you can see the glory of God. I'll give you an example. On the evening of December 21st, coming up, December 21st of this year, we will, we will witness an event that has not taken place for almost 800 years. I see some people nodding their heads. Okay, this event has not happened for some 800 years. Back, in, back on March 4th of, of 1226, almost 800 years ago. On that date, and will happen again on the 21st, the planets Jupiter and Saturn will closely align in the night sky. Jupiter and Saturn will appear as a double planet. Will appear as a double planet in the night sky, and it will be visible to the naked eye. And they'll only be separated by one-fifth of, of the diameter of a full moon. So if something that's not occurred, you're going to see it in the night sky. You're going to see those you know, they, they orbit the sun, right? And it just so happens their orbit, they're not going to be next to each other. They would crash, but we will see them as though they look like they're next to each other in the night sky. And, and we're told this is going to be spectacular. It's going to be something wonderful to look at. But this is God at work. This is the hand of God at work. This is a cosmic event that will not occur again until 2080. And then after 2080, it will not occur again until the year 2400, 2400. Now, some of you may still be alive, but I'm going to be long gone. 2400. Now, I know that God's going to come back for that. And I just, I just know it. <laughs> no, I, okay, so it won't happen again until the year 2400, even through, even though these planets appear to be like a dot in the sky. They're actually huge. I mean, you can imagine the size of, of Jupiter. And this shows you, again, the, the glory and the immensity of God. Uh, uh, Jupiter, okay, we can, how many, uh, how many Earths can we fit into Saturn? We're told, I'm told, seven Earths. 700. 700 Earths can fit into Saturn. And, and Jupiter is even larger than that. 1,300 Earths can fit into Jupiter. And these two things are going to be like right there. I mean, this is the glory of the power of the hand of God in all of creation. And we're like a grain of sand to that. Now, I don't know if we can compare ourselves as a grain of sand. We're even smaller than that. And God has said, hey, grain of sand, I want you. I want you. You, you were chosen by me to be holy. Now, for some of us, we ran from that for a while. Until we couldn't resist. How can you resist, God? And Reuben said it the other day. It's really neat. If God was to look at you, how can you resist that? How do you resist that? You can't. You can't resist that. Your heart melts. You just want to come to him. That's what's going on. That's the glory of God. That's, that's what we're seeing when we're seeing all this. And again, we're talking about putting, what, 1,300 earths into, you know, into, into Jupiter. 
And, and the doctor, Jim Dennison, says this. Actually, we can't, we can't put 1,300 Earths in Jupiter. We couldn't do it. But the Christ of Christmas could do it. The Christ of Christmas could do that, could do anything. He's causing all this to happen. This is the power of Christ at work. So as we look at our passage, as we take a breath to, to try to comprehend the glory and the power of God in your salvation, in my salvation, we look at our passage. What do we need to hear? What do we need to know? Well, what you need to know and what you need to hear, if you're in Christ, as you prepare to celebrate uh, to celebrate his birth, his the first advent, his birth on, um, on Christmas, you need to know that you were chosen by God. You were predestined to be holy. You were predestined in the holiness of your, of your salvation. Have you ever thought of your salvation being holy? Holy. That's why you're called holy. God says, be holy for I am holy. We can't do it except through Christ. Except through Christ. You are a part of the grand story. You're a part of the God story, this grand drama of, of our redemption. So what do you do? What do you do with that? What do you do with that? What can you do with that? You live your life for the glory of God. You spend each and every day crying out to him, rejoicing in him, asking him to give you grace so you can live your life for the glory of God. Uh, uh, John Calvin, a, a wonderful theologian from years ago, he, he describes how, you to, how to do that, if you can do it. Okay, He describes how to do that in his words. He says, you got to live your life as a prayer. Every day you're living your life by the power of the Holy Scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit as a prayer. Your life is a prayer, a prayer to God. Each and every day throughout the day, you're living a prayer. You're talking to him. You're living for his glory. You're calling for grace. Continuously, you live your life as a prayer to God. Your life is a prayer. And Paul talks about it, pray without ceasing. And, and it's talked about again, and Paul talks about it also, about yeah, to live in your life as a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. A, a, live your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, you guessed it, God. Holy and acceptable to God. That's what you're called to do in the God story. The Lord has chosen you before creation to be predestined for salvation through the blood of Christ. Let us pray together. Gracious one, we rejoice. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.